sports talk for real sports fans. 1700, the champ. Hey, everybody, welcome in on a cold, little blustery outside on a Monday. Jim and Trent, we say hello to you right here. 1700, the champ. Coming up uh, in about 15 minutes or so, John Bonenkamp, Burlington Hawkeye, will be our guest. Uh, we will dive in to what the Hawks did and, well, most more didn't do uh, in the game against Northwestern. And we'll do some round ball conversation as well. My partner, I just want to know here, look, you've been busy. I mean, has your voice finally recovered? Has the weekend saved you? Oh, how do I sound right now, Jimmy B? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Okay. Finally all making right. my way back to 100%. Not only was I incredibly busy with the state volleyball tournament last week and, of course, the doubleheader of football that we had here on the Champ on Friday, but uh, I was also battling illness throughout the time. So what a, what a time for that to be happening. Seems like about every year in November at some point I, I catch a cold, and that was the case. But uh, feel good. Off we go again and ready for a big week here. Plenty to talk about. We got the championship set in Class 4A. We'll bring you the call on Friday night. Dowling Catholic survives in quadruple overtime over Bettendorf. They'll get undefeated Cedar Falls in the championship game. PCM, our neighbors down to the south and a little bit over to the east, they will be playing for a championship Friday. And, uh, of course, Friday we also have UNI basketball down in the Cayman Islands. Kevin Lehman will be down there on the call for that one and uh, all those games down in the Cayman Islands as they get the University of Penn, the Quakers, to open things up. That'll be 4.30 on Friday, so a busy week, and we got you covered here on 1700 The Champ. Sounds like a, a great week, as always, that we have for you here on 1700 The Champ. All right, to the games that were played, um, let's go to Iowa first, and then we'll uh, get to the fist fight and everything else that took place in the Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent, I was uh, watching Iowa. I felt they were running in mud. Um, I was so disappointed in the lack of imagination in the offense and... Look, I, I know the weather was blustery and cold, and, and you know, and maybe that changed some things. But still, Northwestern had found ways to be somewhat innovative and move the football. And a spectacular catch in the end zone proves to be the winning touchdown in, in that game. I, I, guess, I guess that even though they put all those points up against Purdue, I felt that the offense was still going to put points on the board. And they just couldn't do hardly anything right. No, no. And there's so many different questions to get into here, Jim. But starting with the forefront, all right, it's going to be cold. And Iowa went to old conservative route that we've seen throughout the years under Kirk Ferentz. All right, we're going to yeah. we're going to run the football and we're going to keep things tight and we're not going to make mistakes. And you played right into the hands of what Northwestern is. And, you know, we talked about this last week. Northwestern, you look at any statistical category – this isn't a great football team, but they find ways to win, and they find ways to win when teams play the style that they want them to win. Iowa had open receivers running up and down the field. You look at the stat line for Nate Stanley, it looks all right. You know, it's fine. Completion percentage, pretty good. Threw for over 200 yards, threw for a touchdown, and didn't turn it over. That's good. But then when you watch the football game and you actually see what is happening, Nate Stanley was not good. He missed open receivers up and down the field. He missed guys that were running open. He didn't take shots down the field. And this goes hand-in-hand with what we've seen throughout the years. I don't subscribe to the theory that quarterbacks regress at the University of Iowa, but I do believe that they get brain locked, that they get continually beat into the head 
Don't turn it over. Make the right play. Make the right read. Nate Seeley's not going through his progressions. He is not taking a look at the guys that are open running free up and down the football field over and over. He took the simple way out, and this is something you continually see with Iowa football. C.J. Beathard had the same problem. C.J. Beathard had a problem where he was seeing ghosts. He, he was feeling pressure that wasn't there. You're seeing the same thing here with Nate Stanley, not standing in the pocket. Jim, I don't know. Help, help me out here. Can you coach presence in the pocket? Is that something that is just innate that comes with the quarterback and they either have it or they don't? Because this is now the second quarterback that I was had under Brian Ferentz where they just don't look like they, they can feel the pressure coming, know when it's there. You're seeing the same thing that you saw under Beathard, a guy that is seeing ghosts in the pocket and making the easy check down. I think what happens sometimes with the offensive set that they run, and, and this will sound harsh, but I think sometimes the QB gets bored. I, I really do. You got it. You got to challenge that guy and and challenge him as a player. Uh, I I just I just don't understand. And you're right with your perception about how all of a sudden it it looked like you know a, a Kurt Ferentz team that you know, was totally inept at, at really having any sort of creative offensive sets. And they went back to just running it left, running it right, throw three yards and hope the running back when you dumped it off to uh, can make a first down. And I, I, was, I was so disappointed, Trent. I thought Hawkinson, when they got the ball to him, played well. But they never threw the ball to Fant. Yeah. What the hell is going on with that? What's where, Where's Fant? He's, he's supposed to be like the stud of studs as a tight end, and he doesn't even touch the football. One catch, zero yards. Three targets, yep. one of them, he drew a pass interference. He played, Jim, do you know how many snaps he played? Take a guess. How many snaps did Noah Fant play in the second half of the game against Northwestern? A tight game throughout, 3 nothing right. at the half. How many snaps did Noah Fant play in the second half? Well, he should have been on the field every time the offense was out there. Yeah, so 20? Should, should have been 30, right? I mean, they, 35 yeah, 20 snaps. Yeah, 30, yeah, yeah. Nine. Whoa. He was on the field for nine snaps. And there has to be something going on here, Jim. There has to be more happening than just, well, you know, schematically. This isn't to take away from TJ Hawkinson. This is not what this is at all. But you have two outstanding tight ends. Find a way to get them involved. You didn't have Brandon Smith in a game where you don't have him, then line Noah Fan up as a wide receiver. He is a matchup nightmare. In a game where Northwestern played without three of their top defensive backs, three of their top mm-hmm. DBs didn't play in the football game, and there's nine snaps. Is it attitude? Is it injury? Is it what his brother has been tweeting throughout the year? If that's the case, Kirk Ferentz, grow up. Grow up. Because, okay, you, you, learned, you taught a lesson to Noah Fan's family. You know what? You don't like it then the kid's going to sit. That's stupid. That is absolutely ridiculous. And if that's the case here, Kirk Ferentz, he's lost it. He's completely lost it. If that is what he's doing, is he's trying to send a message to the family to stop tweeting, you lost football games because of this. Go back to the Penn State game. On the final play of the game, they didn't get the playoff, of course, and it ended up being a run for Tristan Wirfs. Even on that, you have a six foot five kid that has a 42-inch vertical leap, and they didn't have him on, that, on the field for what was going to be a Hail Mary play, that's inexcusable. And to play Noah Fant in a game, nine snaps in the second half of a tight football game is also inexcusable. This is on Kirk Ferentz. This is on Brian Ferentz. There's a problem here, and you have to look at the coaching staff.
I'm with you 100%. I really am. And that's why maybe I was just so disappointed uh, in how the offense performed. And you're absolutely right when it's on the coaching staff because they didn't put anything in Trent. It, it was, I told you, uh, it, it, they regressed. And I, I didn't expect that because they did do some really good things. Despite the fact they lost to Purdue, they were still fun to watch offensively. And there was none of that. I didn't see anything that they ran that was, you know, uh, unique or anything different. And they, and they just pulled on the reins and just hurled everybody right back inside again and, and limited their offensive options. I was highly, highly disappointed. And it's a shame for Hawk fans who at the beginning of the year uh, thought this team had a chance to be 11-1, 10-2, maybe 9-3. Okay, that's not happening. So it is a with with a with the softer schedule that they had, they couldn't capitalize. This is one of the most disappointing from a fan standpoint season because the optimism was so high. Jim, uh, from there, let's jump over to Iowa State. They get the victory, but boy, uh, there were some fireworks on the field, including. <laughs> What in God's name was the uh, the security officers, the police officers, whatever they were, what were they doing on the field there? I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know if they were instructed to run on the field, but normally that is not the case. Generally, they secure the sidelines, so goofballs in the stands don't do that. And the players and coaches take care of the rest. Uh, that one caught me totally by surprise, Trent. And, and look, I I get it when the big brouhaha started, and it was pretty entertaining to watch. And then the Baylor player throws that punch where the referee had his back turned and couldn't see it. And, it, and look, that's why you don't take your helmet off in a football fight. You just don't. And it lands on the side of David Montgomery's helmet, and then he gets upset, and I get that. And he comes around and lunges at the guy and throws a, and throws a punch, and they both get kicked out. So it, it, it cracks me up because I was looking at, at Twitter following the game and knowing that Montgomery was not going to play in the first half against Texas because of the uh, ejection. Mm-hmm. And it just cracks me up. I'll fancy. Well, he didn't throw the first punch. He, 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 the guy attacked him. It was Trent. If you know, you know the rule. Yeah. If you throw a punch, you're out. It's that simple. It, it is. And you can be disappointed about it. As a guy that was sticking up for his teammates, I really didn't have a problem with what yeah. he did. I don't, yeah, me either. I, I think there was some overreaction, though, what kind of precipitated everything as Montgomery was getting out of bounds and, and they fell into the Gatorade uh, cooler over there. Those are two yeah, guys that were locked that. up, and, and it's a flag, no doubt. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but that was maybe ignited. That was the kindling that took it a little bit further. Good news, got the win, and Charlie Brewer was ejected. Maybe good news because he was playing well as that game progressed, and it could have been a different one later on. Well, we're going to talk uh, coming up next. John Bonacamp's going to be joining us from the Burlington Hawkeye. We'll get his perspective on things on Iowa. We'll talk some hoops and football next with John 
on Jimmy B and TC. The Champ with The Drive. Every weekday afternoon, Wolfgang and Trent Condon have you covered for The Drive Home. Real sports talk for real sports fans. Does overpaying for something make sense? We don't think it does at Charterhouse Real Estate. That is why we have completely changed the commission structure at our real estate firm from what you are used to hearing about. Gone are the days of 6 or 7% to sell your home. We charge $24.95 plus 3%. Don't worry if that sounds a bit odd. Just know that on average, our sellers save thousands in real estate commission when they sell their home with us. The best part is our sellers still get full service, including social media marketing, their home on the MLS, a dedicated agent, and much more. Head to charterhouseiowa.com and use our calculator there to see what your savings could be. We are Charterhouse Real Estate, and we are changing the way you think about selling your home. Charterhouse Real Estate is a team office under Space Simply. Touchdown! Don't miss out on tailgates and touchdowns because your cars broke down. Instead, call an Audible by calling Absolute Auto Repair, where we offer free loaner cars while yours is in the shop. At Absolute Auto Repair in Herbdale, we get that when your car breaks down, your life is interrupted. That's why we offer loaner cars to keep your busy life moving. Absolute Auto Repair in Herbdale on Hickman Road near Cobblestone Theater. Google Absolute Auto Repair Herbdale. Absolute Auto Repair is a proud supporter of high school football. Touchdown, Absolute Auto Repair. When you choose Ankeny Towing for your 24-hour towing and roadside assistance needs, you'll get the fast service you need from their courteous and reliable team. From towing for cars and motorcycles to accident recovery, jump starts, lockouts, fuel delivery, tire changes, and more, you'll get superior service from Ankeny Towing. Ankeny Towing is the preferred towing provider for most insurance companies. They're on call 24-7. Program 515-964-9816 into your phone now for Ankeny Towing. That's 515-964-9816. 9816 Ankeny Towing, your reliable towing. Yes, buying jewelry can be scary. Yes, you might not know exactly what to get. And yes, you could play it safe. But real devotion means being a bit more daring. That's why Jared's Dare to Give Big semi-annual event is the perfect time to take the leap. Get the best prices of the season from November 14th to the 18th on an amazing collection of jewelry and exclusive pieces you won't find anywhere else. This holiday, dare to be devoted. Because yes, She's going to love it. Some exclusions apply. Visit Jared.com for details. Easter Seals Iowa provides support for children and adults with disabilities in our community. From the fun of Camp Sunnyside to employment and daily living skills, Easter Seals provides a wide range of support to promote independence. We have so much fun out in the sun. Learn more at EasterSealsIA.org. Are you interested in starting a new franchise? You can find a lawyer right here in the state of Iowa to help with your franchise law needs. Rush Nigget with Brick Gentry Law PC provides law services for those involved in starting a new franchise. Find more information online at RushOnBusiness.com where Rush Nigget can assist you in buying or starting a new franchise. A presenting sponsor of the 2018 high school football season on 1700 KBGG. Brick Gentry Law PC and Rush Nigget. This year, it's our year. No, no, no. This year, it's my team. Yeah, this is the year. This season, everyone is going to know where I'm tailgating. My team, my colors, my flag. Hello, it's why I fly the flag. This is the year you fly the colors of your favorite team. And you'll find those colors at Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. The largest selection of team flags anywhere. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Buy online and get free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. 
At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company and we're still a roofing company today. At Wolf Construction, we believe in honest work, a fair price, and work we stand behind, and our 10-year workmanship warranty proves it. We know roofing. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally. Build your business. At Sinorama of Ribbondale, we offer customized solutions for signs, branding, marketing, and advertising. We have a full range of custom sign and graphic services to meet your needs, build your brand, and create your image. Look around and you'll see how Andy Woodley and his staff help businesses enhance visibility and get noticed. Let us work with you to understand your unique marketing goals and help you reach them. Sinorama of Ribbondale, the way to grow your business. 3368 100th Street in Urbandale and online at sinorama.com slash ia dash you're invited to experience great customer service and incredible deals at Billion Buick GMC in Clive. Our reviews say it all. I didn't feel pressured. It was a very smooth process. Our salesman came in on his day off. Now that's going above and beyond. People also appreciate the huge inventory, including the incredible all-new 2019 GMC Sierra. You're invited to Billion Buick GMC in Clive or BillionAuto.com slash GMC. We are professional grade. Welcome back, everybody. We continue 1700 The Champ. Jimmy B and TC welcoming in John Bonenkamp, uh, Burlington Hawkeye. John, look, I'm just uh, real curious uh, about how everything this year was setting up for Iowa as it did in the year when they went 12-0, and and they just could not find a way to sometimes get out of their own way. How did the wheels fall off the wagon in your estimation? I, you know, I think it's a lot of things, and I and I think it goes back to, you know, the, you know, we we go back to you know a few weeks ago. It's like they didn't have a hundred yard rusher. Well, we thought that was okay. Well, you know, now they've gotten into some games where they've needed to get yards. Look at the Purdue game to 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 finish that game off, and they haven't been able to do it. Uh, defensively, you know, the back end has been, you know, it was okay, but you have, you were really good up front. Well, now all of a sudden the cracks are starting to show in that defense. So, you know, there's a lot of little things that have all kind of come together at this point to, to really make this crumble. And, and I think you kind of saw that on Saturday when they had a chance to, to, to put that game away and didn't. And you let Northwestern hang around and, and you let them hang around. And, and that's how they won the division this year by being in close games and, and winning those close games. And, that, and, again, that's the difference in this team. Northwestern figured out how to, how to win close games. In the last few weeks, Iowa just hasn't been able to do that. There's a lot of frustrations out there, a lot of uh, different directions to go here, but I think the, the biggest angst that you see is the usage of Noah Fan Coming into the year, preseason All-American, historically continues to rise up the charts in terms of touchdown catch, catches in his career. He plays nine snaps in the second half of the game. Help me out here. I, I know the questions were asked at Kirk Ferentz after the ball game. What's going on? There, there feels like there has to be something more happening with the Iowa football program and Noah Fan. I, you know, again, I, I just you wonder if there isn't something internally. You know, if if there has been, 
you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're aware of the, the deal with his brother posting things on Twitter. Uh, you know, did that start this? Who knows? But there, there has to be something there that we don't see and that we don't know about. Because it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and you can say, you know, I can say that, but at the same time, sometimes you've got to put some of that stuff aside. He should have been on the field for that last drive or the last two drives. He's too good of a player not to be. And I, and I know that T.J. Hawkins is having a really great season, and he's, and, he's, and he's as good of tight end as no offense. But you have to figure out a way to use this guy, and the fact that you're not using him, you know, we've asked him, you know, are you injured? No. You know, so, I mean, that part of the equation. So you don't know right now what's going on, and it doesn't look good. There's, a, there's, a, there's some really bad optics to this yeah. right now, and that's what makes me think there is something internally. Uh, John, then that uh, brings me to this particular point. And we all thought that Iowa's defense would be able to slow down Northwestern, and they pretty much did. But then they found a way with a spectacular catch in the end zone to get ahead and then not give it up. We saw the defense give up points at Purdue against Penn State. What what happened to the defensive side of the ball where I think a lot of people felt that, okay, teams are not going to be able to put that many points on the board against Iowa's D? Well, I think it's, I think, I think it, for one, one thing more than anything else is they've actually had to play some experienced quarterbacks here in the last three weeks. And you have guys that, that can exploit weaknesses and – you know, we knew there were cracks in this defense, you know, a few weeks ago. We knew this was a really young secondary. You know, we knew that the linebacker group was, was you know, kind of in a state of flux, that, you know, guys were getting hurt, guys were coming back, that sort of thing. You knew there was something there, but they were able to get some pressure up front and do something. That's kind of gone away here in the last couple of weeks. And when you do that, that allows really good quarterbacks to start, you know, focusing on those weaknesses and, and picking apart your defenses, and that that has been the key, you know, really in the last three weeks. Is they're now facing really good quarterbacks who know what they're doing, you know. And and part of this too is those good quarterbacks have gotten off to a good start, and so really in in a lot of these, especially in the Purdue game, they Iowa was constantly chasing Purdue. They were put on their heels by that opening drive, and they never really recovered. So you know, again, they haven't been able to get off to good starts in games defense has been able to get it to a good start and i think that's why you've seen the problems they have right now so big picture looking forward as the season is not going to end the way that for a while looked like maybe it was trending to go they finish eight and four drop one of these last two games seven and five you remember the angst of 2014 and the quarterback situation how ugly it was after the the bowl game down in jacksonville and the frustrations that were there and it led to some changes. Can, can you see frustrations from this year lingering and leading some changes during this offseason? Or is it going to be they were close, tight games, just didn't go their way, and it will be status quo going forward into 2019? I don't think there'll be a quarterback change. I, I, I think that, you know, unless, unless, again, things we don't see, unless all of a sudden go back to 2014, you know, by the, by this time, C.J. Beathard was starting to look like a starting quarterback. You know, and I mean, from from what everybody has said, you know, about practices during that time, you know, we're not really hearing that right now about the other guys. So I don't think there's going to be a change there. I do think that that there has that that I think you kind of have to look at 
a lot of these guys that are playing this year are going to be back next season. They're going to be a year older. You look at that secondary. Those guys have learned some pretty tough lessons right now. So, you know, you kind of hope that maybe they bank on that going forward, that they can do things and get better. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a massive overhaul. I just don't see that happening. But I, I do think that there has to be some sort of awareness here that there's a reason. I mean, they, they have to really do some self-reflection on why they haven't been able to get close games, how, why they haven't been able to win them and do the things that, that they were doing, especially early in the season. We're having a good conversation right now with John Bonenkamp about uh, what happened and how the wheels have come off the wagon. I'm real curious, John. Now, they're going to play an Illinois team. They're going to be heavily favored in that game. They're coming off a loss at home, and it's my belief that Kinnick is no longer special anymore because Big Ten teams now can walk in and win there. But this is an Illinois team that is ripe for the picking. Do they go in and pick it, or do they struggle with the hangover of what just took place? I I think they go in there and win. I think this is an Illinois team that's just kind of, I just kind of counting down the days. I think till this is all over with. And so you know, this game doesn't worry me so much as. And I didn't think I would say this a couple weeks ago. This game doesn't worry me nearly, nearly as much as, as the following week against Nebraska. You know, so um, this needs to be a game where they go in and they and they take control and they really, really, really have a good win. I mean, they have to do that at this point. If you go down there and win fourteen seven, that doesn't bode well for how this season ends. So, I mean, I think you have to really go in there and take it to them, and it goes back to. You know, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. They got to get off to a good starting gate. You got to set a tone, and they just have not been able to do that. And to, that, to me, is one of the biggest things right now. Is that this team has really started slow, and it's and it's really set them back for the whole game. So I think that's what they really have to do on Saturday. Come out, start fast, and then San Francisco, San Diego, Nashville, bold destination. Uh, any any outlook into this? It's so much different than, than it used to be, even three, four years ago, John. Have you been able to figure out this Rubik's Cube of what's going to happen bowl time? I missed the days of when you knew they were going to the Freedom Bowl a week before the season <laughs> ended. Um, you know, but I always say, everybody's like, what's your bowl prediction? I said, somewhere where the Big Ten has a, has a line. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because, I mean, it could be anywhere right now. If they win their last two games, I, I would prefer San Diego. You know, that's just me. Yes. I want 80 degrees at this point. Um, you know, but, but I mean, it's, you know, do Iowa fans, where do they travel to, I think, in this situation? And, and I mean, it's not going to matter, and they're not going to have a say. I, you know, Iowa's not going to really have much of a say in this whole thing. So, I mean, really it could be anywhere among that group. I mean, if they can win the last couple of games and do it really impressively, does that kind of maybe sort of get them into, you know, a Jacksonville trip? Or I don't know. But, I really think those three names that you mentioned are probably the, the likely scenarios right now. And I'm not so sure Nashville is. I think maybe they go with an ACC-SEC combination there. So really, it may be one of those two spots you mentioned. California here, Iowa comes. Well, it won't be California. It'll be the other coast in New York City for the Iowa basketball team coming up next as they get Oregon. Before that, though, John, let's take a look at what you saw yesterday in Carver-Hawkeye Arena victory against UW Green Bay, scored well, gave up some points. But, you know, as I was watching it yesterday, I, I, it wasn't 
all right, the bad defense is back at least to me. It was it was a very fast-paced game. It was up-tempo. I don't think you can just look at the back score and say, oh, this defense still stinks. I've seen improvements through two games. How about you? I, I have two, and I mean, you know, there were there were some contested shots yesterday that went in. Yeah. You know, I think somebody banked in a three at one point, yeah. and it's like there, there's not much you can do on that. Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing that really impressed me, and, and I wrote about this today, is that they're getting to the free throw line. I mean, they've shot 83 free throws in two games, and and they've shot them better than they did last year. So, you know, moving forward, I think that's a good sign that this that this post group is really active and also that, that the guards are getting them the ball. So, you know, obviously we're going to learn a lot more about them this week when they play Oregon and then either Syracuse or Connecticut. You're going to kind of see when, maybe where they're at a little bit more. than. But, I, you know, I didn't. I didn't take away too many negatives from this week. I, I, I thought that you could see some signs here that this was a better team than what we saw you know, midway through last season. They are. I, I think they're making moves there. We didn't see Coral Pencil, though. Your thoughts, uh, injury it sounds like for Pencil, and the decision from last week before that first game, redshirting Jack Nungy. Well, I think that was, you know, I think that was a good decision. I think, you know, he, he got a year, as something that Fran McCaffrey said, he got a year under his belt. He got you know, that experience, you know, now he looked, you know, this year, I mean, when, when you look at how crowded that front court is right now, um, you look at it as, okay, this is a way to, to sit out a year, get bigger, get, you know, get stronger, do some things there, and that'll get you more minutes. And it kind of balances out the classes too. So I think it's, I think it's a good move. That said, you know, yesterday you had a nine-man rotation, which is okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. But if somebody else gets hurt now, all of a sudden now you're down to eight. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I mean, it, it, it kind of reduces their margin of error there a little bit. But um, you know, I thought they handled it really well yesterday. I thought they had a good rotation going, and really down the stretch, he only played six guys. So um, you know, I think moving forward, it's fine. I think a smaller rotation is okay. I never saw a problem with a big one, but I do think a smaller one's a little bit okay. So I, I think it's a good situation. And Pemsel, you know, maybe back Thursday or Friday. Who knows? I mean, it didn't, it didn't look serious. He was able to walk, okay, just a little bit of a limp. So, I mean, I, I do think moving forward, the 10-man rotation is pretty good. All right, John, uh, one more for me, and I'll let Jim and finish up with you right. as uh, Iowa gets ready here for the matchup against Oregon on Thursday. Uh, Isaiah Moss, he, he's been uh, just the inconsistency continues to be there. He hasn't played the first two times out. And I know there's been some conversation at this point, maybe – Going forward, it makes sense to have Bohannon at the two, Connor McCaffrey as a starting point guard, and go that direction. And then add some scoring punch off the bench when you bring in Isaiah Moss with that second unit. Do you like the theory at the very least, or Moss will be back? I think he, I mean, again, he's, you're right. He's a streaky shooter. He can have, you know, I mean, let's go back to, you know, this is a guy that can get you 19 points in three minutes and nothing ever at other time. So I mean, it it is he is what he is, and I think that you know maybe do you shake up the lineup a little bit and and start Macy Daly instead? Mm. I don't know. Um, you know that's an idea, but you know what I wrote. One of the things I wrote about for today was how they were. He has a lot more options now on what to do with the guard court, and it just helps having Connor McCaffrey there because you can see he's done a really good job of getting the ball to the guys inside, and he's and he's. He's handled himself well on the court. And you can see that little bit of experience he got last year has really kind of paid off. I think you see more minutes from him. I mean, he got 24 minutes yesterday. 
So I do think you still see Bohan in there. I still think you see Connor coming up. But I do think you're going to see more time with those two together, you know, and, and, and doing some different things because there's a lot of different options now on who brings the ball up, who can kind of kickstart the offense going. And so I, I do think you're going to see some different options. And, and if the guy's slumping, you sit him on the bench and you go with some of those other options. I think that's, you know, you can see they're a little bit, they're a little bit easier. They're, they're a little bit better at handling uh john mine is on the front court then and okay. look I, I get i get garza I, I get tyler cook my my question is creamer he plays eight minutes scores eight points grabs like three or four rebounds and that's it that's all we saw him for was eight minutes is, is that going to still be his role are they still going to try to struggle to find minutes for that guy i think there will be more minutes for him yes yesterday wasn't a good game for him this was a team that was that was a little quicker inside. This was a team that that you know kind of beat them to the baseline early, and and I think he had some problems with it. So I mean, I I think it's just going to matter. It's just going to be a game by game deal on how much he plays, but he still gives them a lot when he does play, and so it's a good sign. It's just going to be kind of I think as as friends as it's a function of the game. I think, and I think moving forward, you know, there will be some games where he kind of fits in a little better. But you could see yesterday. He wasn't quite as good a fit yesterday as he was Thursday night. Well, we got an interesting one coming up. We'll get to see Iowa out in New York City. John, are you, are you making your way out to the big lights at NYC? No, no, I will be in Champaign on Saturday. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I can't miss that trip. I, I so. understand. I mean, you got a choice, Champaign, New York City. I, you made the right choice, well, Bonacamp. Camp. Well, you know, you know when, you, <laughs> when you're making those plans, it, it, you look at, oh, that might, that might be a big game, you know. So a right. yeah. um, little too late to do it now. Yes, yeah. I, I don't think the newspaper would be real pleased if all of a sudden, oh, I got a $1,400 plane ticket and another 1200 yeah. in hotel. Probably <laughs> exactly. w- probably wouldn't go over very well. John, no. as always, appreciate your time. Wise owl, it's always good. What are your uh, Dodgers going to do this offseason? I think just spend like drunken sailors. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm all about JT Real Muto. Oh, all right. Get a catcher? Well, that Yeah. Well, whatever that's, that's they do at catcher, it'll be an upgrade of what they had. That's a, that's at the top of my wish list right now. So. Makes sense. Well, we'll see if Santa's yeah. shopping for you early this year. All right. We'll see you, John. Yeah, have a good one. See you. John Vodacamp with the see Burlington you. Hawkeye joining us here, Jimmy B. Going to be interesting. Hey, gotta, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I have a question for you. When he said champagne, is he drinking a lot of champagne while he is in champagne? That's what I want to know. Champagne's a dump. <laughs> that place stinks. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> so I got a story for you. So I, I was out okay. there. My first ever Iowa Illinois game during college. It was a 2004 year, and uh, me okay. and a group of buddies. We took like three carloads of guys over there, and you know, did the whole thing, and we tailgated and had a good time, and we're leaving the game. It was an incredibly windy game. Until the Maryland game, probably the windiest game I've ever seen was that one uh, against Illinois. Iowa did what they needed to. They were good that year. Illinois stunk as usual. And uh, we're, we're <laughs> walking out, and like I said, a group of 10, 12 of us probably walking our way back to our cars in our tailgate area. And uh, the, these frat guys from Illinois, they, they start hollering at us, and okay, you know, that happens when you're on the road. No big deal. This one guy gets up in his face, go back to your farm. Go back to your farm, you Iowans. And, and I said, buddy, turn around. You have a barn on your campus. There is a silo literally 150 yards away from us. Leave me alone. And we kept walking. Shut up that nerd a little bit quicker. I know. It, it, always, it always cracks me up when farming schools trash talk to 
other farming schools telling them to go back to their farm. Well, Iowa's not you even. A, I, Iowa doesn't even have an ag program. I mean, this isn't <laughs> Iowa State we're talking about here. University of Iowa doesn't even have an egg program. Go back to your farms. I, oh, I know. That's what I, I can't get over. He got that. pig crap wafting through the stadium. <laughs> You're telling us to go back to our farms. Illini fans, what a bunch of nerds they are. What a bunch. Does Iowa bounce back? They're a huge favorite. I mean, there's no way with confidence right now that, that you could take Iowa in like 15 and a half. Is there, Jim? No, not a, I can't do it. If you ask me to do it today, I'm not doing it today. No. no. I'm, I'm not. Look, I was, I was so disappointed. Trent, I have no idea what happened to the offense that we saw on the road at Indiana and Minnesota. And when we were talking about the Penn State game, they scored points, but the offense never scored. Mm-hmm. They, put, they did put points on the board at Purdue. But in, in that Northwestern game, I was, like, shocked. I thought, I thought that I was watching, oh, God, I just uh, blanked on his name, the guy who was the offensive coordinator that you dislike so bad. Greg Davis? Greg Davis. I thought I was watching Greg Davis' offense again. It was, it was pathetic uh, with, with what they did. And, look, I know it was cold and brisk and all of that, but, hell, Northwestern's playing the same game you are. Mm-hmm. It's, the same, it's the same stadium, and your fans are cheering for you. They're not booing you like they did Northwestern. I just, it, 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 it was so flat and unentertaining and boring. Um, I, I, was, I was very, very disinterested at the end of that game. I really was. And I, I, just, I just felt that Hawk fans all of a sudden now, after there was so much promise, are totally getting cheated after what was available, Trent, with the softer schedule that they caught, and yet they cannot, they, 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 they couldn't make it work. Just could not make it work. Basketball-wise, Iowa-Oregon on Thursday. And and a look at Bull Bull. I know you're fired up about yes, that. I am. I, I've seen highlights of him uh, play a little bit. This is a guy who is as big as his dad, 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, maybe. And we always talk about Kevin Durant and how well he handles the basketball uh, at 6'11". And he does. Bull Bull is going to be, if if the trajectory continues, something similar, only even a few inches taller, Trent. Look, I, I miss Christoph Porzingis at 7-1 in New York because he handles the basketball and, and can move with it and, and take you outside. People are going to be shocked when they see this guy, Bull Bull, step out and start draining three-pointers because it'll happen. Yes, and uh, averaging a double-double right now. As always, Dana Altman is recruited well. How he got those recruits, well, that's a different conversation <laughs> with Oregon. Uh, going to be uh, probably, I would guess, somewhere in the range of uh, seven, eight-point favorite over Iowa at Madison Square Garden coming up on Thursday yeah. night. And uh, tonight, of course, we get Iowa State, Texas Southern. We'll take a look at that and what's coming up tonight, coming up on the other side. Quick timeout, back with more on the other side. Put a cap on things. It's Jimmy B and TC. Back okay. one final time with you. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. All right, Jim, tonight, of course, Monday Night Football. What a stinker mm-hmm. this is. 49ers, oh. Giants. Uh, big night for me in fantasy football. But other than that, 
Oh, do you have boy. Nick Mullins, the quarterback for San Francisco? No, no. I, I win games in fantasy, Jimmy B. I don't have Nick oh. Mullins as my quarterback. <laughs> hey, he beat the hell out of the Raiders when he got his first start. Well, so I mean, you could beat we'll the have, hell out of the Raiders. Come on. Well, you're right. I, I guess you're right. Yeah, I could. You're right. Absolutely correct about that. No, look, it's NFL. I will have it on one TV, but I'm more interested in college basketball tonight. And, and Trent, there's, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens here uh, this evening on the college basketball front. I, I want to see what takes place with the Stanford North Carolina game. I've got interest in that. I haven't seen Stanford yet. I've seen North Carolina once. They blew out like Western Carolina, something like that. Um, the K-State game with Denver, uh, okay, man, fair enough. And I want to see what can I want to see what Kansas looks like uh, against Vermont as well. Look, I don't expect the Catamounts to give them you know much of a fight, but at least then I'll get a better handle on what uh, what Kansas is all about. Minnesota Utah tonight, maybe something to keep an eye yeah. on. That, yeah, that I, I like that one. Decent, decent at the very least, yeah. and of course Iowa State. Against Texas Southern. This Texas Southern team did beat Baylor. Baylor's not very good, but they did beat Baylor, so at least something there. And then, uh, well, got throttled by almost 40 against Gonzaga. I think that shows you where the Zags are. But, yeah, overall, a a night of hoops and seeing this Iowa State team and see if they can survive another one without Lyndale Wigington. You know, I want to see how this, again, all plays out. And now that the players know that Wigginton is not going to be on the court for a few more games, and they also know about the guys that are suspended and they're not available as well. I just want to see if that changes anything in the confidence level. In other words, is their confidence even more now because they know that if they make a mistake, they're not going to get yanked out of the game because Steve Prohm doesn't have anybody to put in the game mm-hmm. to take their spot. So I, I just wonder if with that with that extra confidence factor, if the if we're really going to see like a big time blowout tonight. You know, a, a big performance out of Shayok, and he looks really good. He's as advertised. Yes, Jacobson. We we've talked about those two guys and. Wyler Babb now kind of back in that full-time point guard role. Halliburton, I, I, I thought, gave him some good minutes and can do some different things. Mm-hmm. I've been impressed yeah. out of him. In fact, Friday night, he didn't leave the floor. Did, did you see that? I guess I didn't even yeah. realize. It, it didn't leave the floor, played all 40 minutes in the victory against Missouri. It's uh, a different kind of team than we anticipated because of the injuries and the suspensions that they're going through. And another night to get another look at the Cyclones. Looking forward to that. Before we get out of here, Jimmy B, though, we didn't touch on a big national story from the weekend. And I want to get your perspective on this. Jimmy Butler getting traded, of course. We know your love of the NBA. So just wanted to get your perspective here in our final couple minutes. Look, the Philadelphia 76ers have been kind of struggling and uh, just scuffling along right now. And they needed a, a shot of something, and the butler did it. So from that standpoint, for Philly, I think it's an excellent deal for them. I don't know if Butler, when they get done with the season, if he will indeed re-sign on a big contract. Philly will be able to offer him an awful lot of money. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. The guys that Minnesota got, look, I always was a Sarkic fan. 
Uh, he's a very good player. He should fit in really well with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Covington, Trent, uh, I get you know either way on that. Yeah. He's an NBA. Pl- yeah, he's an NBA player. Good but, defender. Okay. Good, better good de- defender. Probably yeah. even better than Butler as a defender, but very Could limited yeah. offensively. He can shoot threes, yes. and that's about it. He yeah, he's not a good mid range player. He's not very good getting to the rim, but. A decent piece to get the guy that's going to yeah. play defense, and he's not going to scream at his teammates while he does it. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, that's always a good thing, <laughs> and you and you get the, and you get the headache out of the uh, locker room. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see. Does Butler become a bad seed when he gets to Philadelphia, and he gets a chance to play with with Simmons and Embiid, or? Does he, he, a guy that all of a sudden is all-world like the player that he can be when he decides he really wants to be that guy? He went off the rails in Chicago, went off the rails in Minnesota. Now you have Joel Embiid, who is a different cat, right? I mean, he's a a different kind of personality. He's goofy. How is that going to play with Jimmy Butler and just what a a red ass he is? You couple that with Ben Simmons, a... A quiet kind of kid, not demonstrative by any means. How is that going to play? I know in NBA circles that there's a lot of praising going on here, and the process is finally over. They they got their final piece. There's no more excuses. Now it's time, ready to go. I'm keeping an eye on this one. I I think there's a better chance of this going south than a lot of people realize, at least in my estimation. Am I crazy here? No, you're not at all. No, it, it definitely could do that. Yeah, I mean, if Butler really becomes the true malcontent that we have seen in later years in Chicago and then what just took place in Minnesota, uh, that will bust that trade. Uh, and, and, and the Minnesota Timberwolves will look like, you know, they stole players. Yeah. So I, it, it just has to see, you know, how this one's going to play out. So that's what we uh, have on tap this evening and a look at Jimmy Butler and his trade. Good night at college basketball. Good night. Well, we got NFL at least on the schedule, though a clunker of a game. And put money on it. That's what you do, Jimmy B, and that makes things more exciting. Right? <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, you'll, you'll do that? I'll put a dime. I'll put a dime on it. What what side are you taking? Are you gonna take the forty ers minus three or are you gonna grab the field goal with the Giants? Oh no, man. I'm all in on Nick Mullins at quarterback. All in. You're a Mullins fan. All right. Well, there it is. <laughs> and if you're going to take somebody, take Jimmy B's picks because another winning week out of Brinson. He goes 3-2, and two and it's his worst week in six weeks. Unbelievable, yeah. Brinson. How, how do you do this? Yeah. It, it just It's absolutely incredible to me. But here we are. We're coming back tomorrow starting at 1 o'clock each and every day. On your way home, it's the drive. Myself and Wolfgang will be with you. From 4 until 6 o'clock, we got Ben Visser stopping by. We'll talk Cyclones with him. Steve Batterson on the Hawkeyes and a look around the NFL with Andrew Garda. That gets you home from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks, everybody, listening. Tiki and Tierney is next on 1700 The Champ.